0: Welcome to Move the District, where you can find the best ways to stay healthy, stay moving, and stay informed in Washington DC. Now, more than ever, we have a wealth of information and opportunities to live the high-performance, pain-free life that we want. My name is Dr. Mike Yassen, and my goal is to show you the backstories behind the individuals and businesses that provide these opportunities for everyone, no matter who you are. Now, let's move. Move the District is sponsored by Big League Performance and Rehab. At Big League Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to Rehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. All right. Welcome back to episode 52 of Move the District, your favorite podcast here in D.C., favorite podcast out there, period, where we're highlighting health, wellness, fitness professionals from the DMV. Uh, today is a special episode because, as you heard, it was episode 52, which means we've been at this for a whole year. I honestly can't believe that we've actually gotten this far as I keep saying every time I record an episode this started out as like a few episodes here a few episodes there and we're going to see where this goes and I did not think we'd get to episode 52 but nonetheless here we are and the plans are to keep on chugging and this episode you know I want to say first I want to say thank you guys to everyone who's tuned in everyone who's shared everyone who's given us a review everyone who's come on the show, you know, I appreciate, honestly, really from the bottom of my heart, it's been such a great experience getting to connect and and meet and, and create friendships with, with people that I hadn't gotten a chance to, you know, hadn't had never known or would have never even heard of, uh, you know, had I not been able to do this podcast in the last year. And especially this last year, where I'm sure my girlfriend, Megan would appreciate the fact that I'm able to talk to somebody else besides her because I just, you know, would be at home talking to a brick wall essentially. And she's like, why don't you just go talk to somebody else? (laughs) And uh, I think, uh, you know, it gave me a a chance to, to meet some great people. And I'm looking forward to continuing that podcast. And I think uh, today is a special, a really special episode for me because a year ago when COVID had first started, big league was at the stage where we were looking to bring on another physical therapist. And right as COVID happened, you know, we had to basically press the pause button on those growth plans and, and reset. We paused the hiring process and, you know, immediately shifted it to how can we continue to serve our patients? How we, can we continue to serve the DC community? And, and we went from there. We weren't thinking about growth and expansion. We just wanted to really just stay alive and, Continue to help our people. And luckily, we continued to do what we do. And I was able to bring on Dr. Zoe Pond McPherson back in August. She was, I believe, episode 13 or 14, somewhere around there. She was a guest. And now uh, I have the pleasure of introducing you guys to the newest big league physical therapist and master of healing and movement and strength, Dr. Kennedy Chukwacha. Kennedy, thanks for coming on the show, and thanks for being the newest member here at Big League. Absolutely.
1: I appreciate it. Excited is is an understatement.
0: Yes, I think. uh, All right. So now we're on we're on take two of recording this. So for you, for those of you listening, we are already (laughs) failed at the intro one time, or I failed by not hitting the record button. But this time we are live. And so this is definitely going to get released. So, Uh uh, Kennedy, you are a a New Jersey native from South Jersey, Philly, Jersey, as you like to refer to it, probably like the worst part of the state, but we won't (laughs) get too much into that. Um, But What uh? Now you're you're you've made it down here to the DMV, and uh, you're living over in Arlington now. What uh? What are your initial thoughts on the DMV area?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I don't think I've seen a bigger concentration of apartment slash housing complexes in one area. It's ridiculous. (laughs)
0: yep that that makes sense yeah yeah. because dc is still in a i guess massive period of growth and expansion where i think developers think that dc is going to keep growing 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 and maybe it will Uh, hopefully hopefully it will i think last year was the first year the population had decreased but uh, you know obviously right yeah it's more apartment buildings more and the funny thing is i think we we're saying this yesterday i feel like developers are just realizing that you can put retail on the bottom floor of apartment buildings because if you look at all the old apartment buildings it's all like uh you know just freaking like lobbies you walk into the lobby and then you go to the building now you get the you know gym or the yeah, Chipotle we've Chipotle or the, the bar or the restaurant, and, and it makes it for a much more nicer living experience. So absolutely. We've got a,
1: I think we've got an orange theory on our first floor. There's a doctor's office that's coming. There's like a pet shop type place, a Harris Teeter. So for me to take 10 steps and be inside of the grocery store is a, a game changer.
0: There you go. Now, how much do you miss Wawa?
1: I'll tell you what, man. I'm trying not to think about it too much, right? Because uh, Wawa, you you can throw a rock from one Wawa parking lot to the next in South Jersey. Um, so I don't think about it too much, but it, it hasn't hit me yet. It hasn't hit me yet.
0: Now, there are Wawas here. There are Wawas in Maryland, Virginia. I think there's a few in D.C. also, but not okay. nearly as many as south jersey and philly for sure so you can still get your yeah, yeah. you know your subs what's your what's your go-to order at wawa
1: Ooh, depends on the time of day if it's uh if it's the morning time i'm especially if i get that two for four sizzly deal what Little little turkey sausage with the croissant yeah yeah but uh they actually just upgraded their menus they started to get like alfredo and all that type oh. of stuff i'm not I'm a little uh I'm a little skeptical of the wow wow Fredo, but uh they're they're expanding. They're expanding.
0: That sounds about right. Uh, now let's uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's talk about your story here and let's talk about where did the where did your interest for physical therapy first start?
1: Yeah. Um well full backstory. I was born in Nigeria, right? Um, for anybody listening who knows what that means, that means that you pretty much, from a kid, from your parents, you've got one of, I always like to say four options, right? So you've got doctor, as one. You've got engineers, two. You've got lawyers. All right. So full backstory. Um, born in nigeria right um for anybody listening who knows what that means that means that growing up in a nigerian household um you don't really not that you don't have many options but here are your options essentially one doctor two lawyer three engineer or four failure and you can take your pick right um (laughs) so my, my especially uh from my mom. She always wanted me to be, um, you know, within the medical profession, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I was always kind of pushed a little bit towards that, but I had an extreme love for sports. Um, At a young age, my parents would let me play sports as long as my grades were good. And I lied to you, not. I don't even think I saw my first B until I got to college because I didn't want them to give them any excuse for me to not be able to play sports. Um, And then because I was so tall at a young age, basketball kind of fell into my lap um, as something like, hey, I should try this. Um, So I didn't really go to any camps or anything like that. It was really just playing basketball outside with my friends. Um, But as far as getting in more into like the physical therapy side of things, um, I was actually fortunate enough to uh, go For high school in South Jersey, I went to a technical school, a vocational school, right? So we still had career majors. So you have automotive, um, cosmetology, um, you know, building trades, uh, health occupations, different things like that, where when you graduate from high school, you'd also graduate with a specialized certification in whatever field you chose to to do. Um, That high school is BCIT, but it had two different campuses. So get this. One campus had sports medicine. So I'm in eighth grade. I'm looking. I know I'm going to BCIT. I'm not sure which campus. Um, You essentially have to pick four different career majors to try to explore and see how much you like it and see which one you want to commit to for the next four years. Um, As soon as I saw sports as one of the categories, check automatically, automatic check. Um, And that was sports medicine, right? Yeah. Um, But get this only one of the campuses offered sports medicine. So I was, I lived closer to the West Hampton campus. That campus was the one that did not offer sports medicine. So after I went through all of the other three options that I picked to explore, um, they sent me to sports medicine and I ultimately ended up getting into sports medicine which was a little bit more competitive um, as you can imagine than most other uh, career majors just because again, everybody's like sports. Oh yeah, I'm doing this one. but long story short, I get sent to sports medicine and I think I got accepted to sports med that Friday and I had to transfer schools Monday. So I left like all my friends at school, left everything in my locker and just like went to Medford campus. Um, and then that's really where that journey started. Um We got experience taking care of like our fellow athletes. Um I'm taping, taping my teammates in between tournaments and things like that. So pretty early on, kind of started to get my feet wet within that uh, sports medicine, physical therapy realm.
0: And how much did that help you then going forward into college?
1: Oh, it's literally priceless, honestly, Um, because I majored in biology in undergrad. Um, So a little bit more because I was still kind of You know, I still had my mom in my ear, like cardiologist, medical doctor, you know what you got to do. And I'm like, ah, I mean, if I'm within the health space, calling them a doctor mom should be fine. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so, uh, honestly, it was just like the, the, the people skills, the being able to be confident with what it is you're talking about, especially when you're trying to tell somebody about their body. Right. Um, Me doing that at a young age in high school, by the time I got to college, um, you know, giving my teammates little tips, right, talking with trainers about different things, Um, it really made that transition easier. But then once PT school started, that's really like I would still be pulling from skills that I learned in high school once I got to PT school, especially when it came to more of the the clinical application of things, which uh, I think
0: really helped. Now, would you did you come out of high school as a like certified personal trainer? Yeah, yeah. And did you actually train people?
1: Um, yeah, I trained a couple people on the side, just little, right? Not just as a biology major and a um, Division one and two athlete. You don't really have much free time well, outside of, time, of that actually, um, to use it. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, you know, whenever, whenever I get the chance, um, honestly, a lot of it is like, I just love to do anyway. So I wouldn't even, there'd be a lot of times where it's not even about charging people, but more about just like, Hey, I've got, you know, I know I've got a little bit more knowledge than somebody else might in this, with this area. So let me help you out. You know,
0: now did you get college credit for that? Also, did that transfer as college credit for you at all?
1: Um, as far as like from the sports medicine side of things, specifically, yeah. uh, college uh-uh, uh-uh. is because, you know, biology, sports medicine, nah, that, goes that was,
0: that was the thing for me. Cause I took sports medicine classes in high school, which, which Ooh. I thought was awesome. And then you did it at the high school, but it was through one of the local colleges. And then okay. I transferred my credits from these. It was, it was intro to athletic training and then it was exercise physiology and okay. when they actually transferred in to Scranton, they transferred in as phys ed credits. <laughs> so wow. the, okay. the two classes I took, cause I don't think a lot of schools still do this, but Scranton had at the time, I know they don't do it anymore. They had a phys ed requirement where okay. you had to do two gym, gym classes. And so these, like these it. classes transferred in as my gym credits. So it was one credit per class and that was all I needed. For the phys ed. So it got me out of doing, I don't know, golf class or swimming class or <laughs> yoga, whatever I was going to, whatever I would have done otherwise. There was a pretty cool sport, like gym class options. There was like weightlifting, yoga. Okay. But okay. it got me out of it. So, you know, hey, more time for me to, I don't know, whatever we did, do whatever we did in college, which yeah, an undergrad probably wasn't very productive. Uh, right, right. But, but, but yeah, so then, so then you went off to college to play basketball. Yep. At UMass yep. Lowell.
1: Yep. Right at uh, UMass Lowell, right up in Lowell, Massachusetts. Um, great experience. Definitely great experience. Um, had a crazy coach, right? I think, I feel like at some point, every basketball player will experience that crazy coach that he's, he's borderline nuts, but coach Greg Herenda, shout out Greg Herenda. He's at uh, head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson up in North Jersey now. Um, but, yeah, uh, spent two years at UMass Lowell, um, was there during the transition to Division I. Um, so my freshman year, we were um, a top team in the NE10, uh, Northeast 10 Conference, which, um, if anybody's familiar with Division II basketball, um, the, the NE10 is essentially the top D2, if not one of the top two two or three D2 conferences. Um, So, you know, we'd be playing low division one type type competition that, um, you know, and still be able to hold our own. Um, But then we elevated to the America East conference uh, my sophomore year. Um, And that just kind of opened up a whole different aspect of college basketball where it's like, all right, now it's hopping on a plane to go play somebody tonight instead of um, taking the bus. Right.
0: Right. It's, it's a, it's the, the big leagues almost. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not, not quite Kansas and Duke, but you, you get that whole, it, it, it changes things for sure. I'm sure like the yeah. attitude around campus was obviously much more exciting. And mm-hmm. then what about the level of competition?
1: Oh, the level, How did the level of competition, competition change. Yeah, I mean, and, This is the thing. This is honestly the thing with basketball. Like, if you're talking NAIA, D2, 1, 3, um, the game stays the same, right? It's really the players that just get bigger, faster, stronger, right? Um, As you go up in division. So I remember who we opened up sophomore year at Michigan. This was the year after, I think the year after they won it with Trey Burke and those guys. Uh, um, mm-hmm. So like, we're still, who who's on this team? Uh, Nick Stauskas, um, who spent some time with the Sixers. Uh, I'm not sure. He might be overseas now. I'm not sure if he's still in the league. Um, Chris LaVert, who lit us up. Um, a couple of those guys who are on that team. Mitch McGarry. Um, walking onto the court, like as a starter, stepping onto the court, like you're sitting there and you can't even hear your coach on the sidelines. Like it's literally just all white noise. Like you don't hear anything until you move towards your bench, right? So if you go to the bench, the way that they had it set up, we were right in front of the student section. Go figure, right? So I've got a bunch of people just going crazy yeah. behind me, going crazy absolutely nuts because it's the first game of the season and on each one of their uh chairs they had a little card this is what our trainers are telling us there was a little card that just had information on our team so i'm hearing like my instagram handle my twitter like some guy (laughs) on my team was saying that somebody like was screaming like his little sister's name like it's just like so there's just it, it was nuts the experience was nuts it was
0: nuts wow and then you, you know, are, are basically hitting the pinnacle of your your athletic career, and then you got injured.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that sophomore year, um, I'll never forget it. It was at Cincinnati. We're playing at Cincinnati. Um, it might have been like a weekend. It was, a, I believe, it was like a weekend game, like maybe like a Saturday Sunday type deal. Um, They've got some tough guys at this point. Uh, they, I think the NC Gates had just graduated. They still had Sean Kilpatrick on there. Um, so I go up for a, le- a layup, left hand. And one, I make the layup, and I come down. Right? And I'd like, I come down on the knee, just a little weird. Nothing crazy. But as I'm walking to the foul line, it buckles. Right? And I almost go down, but I catch myself. And I'm like, wow, that was weird. It didn't hurt or anything, but I, it, it just felt crazy. So then as I'm shooting my free throws, I'm trying to bend my knee to shoot. And it doesn't really like it's almost like there's a catching and like a, I don't know if it's like after, I don't know what was going on at this point because I was just trying to make the free throw. Um, I probably missed it. I don't even really remember whether I made or missed the free throw, but I probably missed it at this point. And then I try running down the court twice and then I'm like, no, I, I, I can't do this right now. Um, get taken out. They're checking out. Nothing like immediate, like as far as like an ACL, MCL, PCL, anything like that. Um, but it, it, it continues on. Right. So I do just regular rehab type stuff, um, wrap it up, little things like that for the next two to three games. And it's not changing. I'm still feeling like it's like once I get it warmed up, I'm all right. But when I make certain movements, it's just like it just feels like I'm going down. Um, So, fast forward to Christmas break. We have a game against Duquesne. I didn't play in that game um, because I had to, right after that, go get an MRI um, to go see what was going on. Um, Long story short, they sat me down with, I'm in a room with the athletic director, the team doctor, um, training staff. Uh, coaches, and we're we're reading, we're going. I'm, I, I walk in, I'm like, "What is this an intervention? Like, what is going on here?" You know. <laughs> um, so I, I, st- I sit down, and they tell me, "Like, yeah, like you've got um, what we call an osteochondral lesion." Um, Not to get too technical, but essentially, not a meniscus, but cartilage that's attached to your femur that gets messed up. And to put this into perspective for um for the basketball folks out there it's the same exact thing that greg odin did um we kind of know how that ended up um but also the same type of deal for somebody like blake griffin who did the exact same thing right um so at the time when i did it it was kind of 50 50 right this was still a fairly new type of thing that doctors and surgeons were trying to figure out um So they went so far as to say that if after I went through surgery and everything, it's like, I was not able to play again. They would still take care of the rest of my um, remaining tuition. So um, they really had no idea what the outcome would be. Um, But for me, I, I, I'm a 17, 18 year old kid at the time. It's like, there's no way you're telling me that I'm done playing basketball. Like right now, there's no way. Right. Um, So they they talked to me about this microfracture surgery. Essentially what they do is go in and drill holes into the bone so that new um, cartilage or new substance, it's not cartilage but comparable, um, forms into that space and then that will kind of take the place of it. Um, Usually they only want to do that surgery when there's size enough for six holes. My damage was big enough for 12. so. They had already started to preset me for, hey, if this fails, then the next, uh, the next option is what they call an OATS procedure, which essentially is taking a piece out of a dead person's body, a piece of their knee, fitting it into my knee like a puzzle piece, fitting it together with some screws, um, and the rehab for that would be like a year long. But for the microfracture surgery, it was about nine months. Um, definitely took the whole nine months, redshirted the whole next year transferred, did the whole nine. Um, and yeah, no, the rehab process was tough. It was tough because there's it, it, it was a lot of times where you, you wake up and you feel like you did the exact same thing to the knee or it's not even better or you feel like you've taken 10 steps back. And especially not being able to do that one thing that you love to do, like no matter what, uh, my girlfriend at the time, um, she'd probably tell you I was not the most pleasant person to be around <laughs> during this time period.
0: Yeah. yeah, I, I believe that. I mean, ha- how much mentally did that injury wear on you, you know, during that whole rehab process?
1: because uh, it's in the back of my mind, I'm just thinking like, because for me, I took the I took the chance to to roll the dice and get the the operation to continue. Um, you know, trying to play. Because again, they, they sat me down in a room or just saying, like, we don't know how, um, how it's going to look on the other side of this, right? Um, so that, that kind of gives you an idea of like how some of that framing from a surgeon or from a doctor, how that can kind of get your mind already in a certain mind frame. Um, so I was kind of there Um, You know, I just shout out my support system, my family, my friends and everything like that, who, um, you know, stayed by me. My AAU coach, definitely shout out to Gene Rice at that time. Um, I was playing with the uh, I played with the PA players. Um, So guys like uh, if you remember that, a um, when Villanova won that uh, that championship off the uh, Chris Jenkins buzzer beater. Yes. The. uh, Uh, the How could I forget? Yeah. Yeah. Archie D. That was uh, one of my yes. teammates from um, from high school. So, all those types of guys. Um, yep. As a you know, St. John's
0: of, fan, I, I despise Ryan Archidiak. Yeah. You know. Yes. There you go.
1: Very good. Now,
0: now, you were able to get back to the court, which was awesome. Yep. Um, ultimately, how long between games was there? How much of a a lag? A lag? I know you, you said you're richer yeah. in a year.
1: Yep. So, I probably played my last game. That was my sophomore year 2014 transfer 25 at least it was a full calendar year a full calendar year before I was back onto the court gotcha. nine months nine months of that being rehab
0: right Now yeah. what how are you able to take that experience and use it now? As you know, someone on the other side of the rehab world, how do you how have exactly. you used that as? Have you taken that and implemented in your own clinical practice?
1: Exactly. Um, honestly, it it helps me to kind of slow things down a little bit, especially when it comes to that empathy side of things. Um, Because when somebody comes into us, right? Like it's not just an ACL coming in. It's not just an Achilles coming in. It's not just a quad strain coming in, right? It's a person who essentially may be missing a part of themselves because they're not able to do this activity for some people, is their livelihood, right? Like this is the way that you put food on the table for your family for a lot of people or for some people. Um, So, having that appreciation and understanding of it just gives you that extra added layer of patience, right? If it's one of those days when somebody's coming in and they're not really feeling it, they're not really into it. um, Right. They could, there's a million and one different things that could be going on on top of the knee pain itself, having a pure appreciation and understanding uh, of that just kind of helps that communication. And once you develop that, therapeutic alliance, especially when you can make somebody understand that you do feel where they're coming from, right? I feel like a lot of times we say like, oh, yeah, I feel where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. But we may not really, right, know exactly what it feels like. And still, you, you're you never going to know exactly what somebody else feels like. Um, but if you can convey that you really do have that real world experience and are essentially living proof that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I think that goes a
0: long way. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the therapeutic alliance, you know, makes really hits home because I think a lot of times, especially when you're dealing with with athletes, you know, someone like like yourself when you were you were in college or someone who's in the professional level or even high school, you're you're getting and, and it doesn't this isn't just goes to competitive athletics. This goes to the crossfitters of the world, this goes to the runners mm-hmm. of the world, this goes towards exactly. people who do orange exactly. theory. It goes to I care about this. I want to get back to doing this. And I don't know if you care. Do you care about me? And and, mm-hmm. and if you don't show that level, if it's always, oh, it's about me, the, the physical therapist, then people aren't going to necessarily buy into that. And that was something I struggled with early in my career when I was still a strength coach, where it's was like, hey, I'm a strength coach for a professional baseball team. I'm the man. You need to listen to me because I'm here for a reason. And guess what? You're expendable. You're replaceable. I didn't get fired. But th- that, that's what it comes down to is that they pay you a hell of a lot less than they pay those other guys on the other side of it. So yeah. they would much more willing to side with those people than you. And once you are able to show those people that you do care in them, it isn't just about you. It's about helping them get to the next level, whether that's, like I said, getting back to a CrossFit class, running a marathon, or it is making your high school team, getting a scholarship, getting to professional level, you know, all those things, they have to know that you're invested because otherwise, why should they trust you? You know, especially when it comes down to like you said, their livelihood, when it comes down to how they're going to put food on the table for their family even more so to the, to the nth degree, you know, or, or whether a college scholarship is on the table, like college tuition ain't cheap these days. So that's the difference between someone getting an education and someone maybe not. And Mm -hmm. that's a very, very powerful thing. And if they have, if they know they have someone in their corner that they can buy in and, and, and trust, then that makes the process so much easier because at the end of the day, let's face it, People, when you come in, you get injured, you're not the expert. You're the expert. The only thing you're an expert on is, is your body. When it comes <laughs> down to the rehab process, you're going to need help. And mm-hmm. if that person trusts you and creates is willing to create that alliance with you, that's where the success happens. That's, that's the magic spot is exactly. you know, when you're able exactly. to work together and create that alliance, you get that connection and ultimately the most success, I think.
1: Yep. Agreed. Most definitely. Most definitely.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I think with with that, I mean, when you were going through that, re- talk about like your process, <laughs> like your connection with your medical team as you were going through that process with your PTs. Yeah. Um,
1: and it's kind of interesting because like I always, with the, the mind frame that I have now around sports performance, physical therapy, Um, I try to think back, like you said, to what was my experience. And, um, I mean, I know that I had great physical therapists, right. Um, because I was able to get back to, to playing at some point. Um, but I don't know if I had any specific experience that stood out to where it's like, okay, today I made a breakthrough because of who my PT was, um, I've always been like a self, you know, the, the cliche self motivator type of, um, type of person. And again, kind of going back to the Nigerian thing, being a firstborn in a Nigerian household when your dad was the firstborn and his dad was the firstborn, you're that kind of do it yourself. Like you got to shoulder some things, um, Mm -hmm. just kind of innate, um, So it could be a combination of that as well. But I don't know if I'd say I had the greatest PT experience personally, which also kind of grew my passion to wanting to be able to give that experience that I think that I needed and was looking for, Um, especially, again, through that time where it's like you're an 18 year old kid on full scholarship and you can't do anything.
0: Right. right um yeah that was that was uh, as a collegiate athlete, former collegiate athlete who had surgery during his time there also it was you know that was what happened to me it was nine months after my shoulder surgery and no one had told me if i could do a push-up like nine months nine mm-hmm. fucking months after mm-hmm. surgery and i'm trying to get back to throwing a baseball i had already been throwing a baseball but no one told me i could do a push-up I wasn't doing a bench press I wasn't doing push-up wasn't doing wasn't doing any strength training yeah. i was sitting there with my bands and my my five pound dumbbells mm-hmm. just working on rotator cuff working on my scaps yeah. and yeah. it's like sure i, I can shit.
1: walk up this i can walk up the stairs but i can't euro step and finish with the offhand anymore like you're, when are you gonna help me with that you know
0: and and eventually it just got to the point where i was like I guess I'm just going to do a push-up and we're going to see what happens. And I had this vision of my shoulder exploding because I didn't know any better. And yep. that was really it coincided, you know, with my time when I started working with the Yankees and it, it, it really opened my eyes to the fact that like, there's higher level of care out there that needs to be delivered to the people who don't necessarily have access to it. This isn't, this can't just be reserved for those professional athletes. It can't reserve for the people with all the money in the world. It, it's got to be, a more accessible thing for people mm-hmm. to get access to quality care because mm-hmm. everyone, everyone deals with this and, and injuries are, are confusing. Pain is confusing. These are tough cool. things for people to deal with and they need some sort of guide to, to go through it and not just to get them out of pain, but to get them stronger, to keep them out of pain and exactly. through the whole process. And that was the thing. I mean, I remember, when I had my surgery, I was three months post op. And the first physical therapist I worked with up in Scranton, he goes, All right, you got full range of motion. You're good to go. I was like, What about <laughs> baseball? Right. I was like, Oh, you can work on that with your athletic trainer at school. And mm-hmm. I go see my surgeon. So like, No, no, no. You still have to do more physical therapy. And I was like, That's what I thought. And yeah. I was working. With my, but I ended up working with my athletic trainer, who I had I had I had a very good relationship with. Shout out to Brian and Carrie, sure. and they you uh, they you know guided me through a lot. But at the end of the day, it, it was still we were still basically just following along with what I had been doing when I finished physical therapy. There was not a lot of growth and expansion on my program, and then Roger. I went home. And I was working with another physical therapist who I really liked there or who I thought I really liked there. And again, it was mm-hmm. like, he gave me like three or four exercises for like your rotator cuff. And then I was like, all right, like next like two weeks, I'm starting this, this internship with the Yankees and I'm gonna be working out with these professional athletes. Like part of the job requirement was to be able to carry like 80 pounds, something like that. I was like, I don't know if I can do that. I was like, I don't know if I can do a push-up." I was like, it's been nine months. Let's try it, and then that was when I yeah. like. Then I was like, All right, well, all right, I can do push ups. This is cool, I can start to do this, I can mm-hmm. to do that, and I like started yeah. to piece it together for myself. But at that point, it was already a year, I'd already missed our spring season, which I had hoped to mm-hmm. have been back for. And yeah. you know, it wasn't really until that fall, which was 14 months after my surgery, that I started to feel like myself again. And I was like, What the hell? Like, yeah. this is this was something that maybe should have taken 10 to 11 months and and instead it was you know a 14 really ultimately almost a 18 month process before I really you know got back to pitching in a game again I missed the whole season and then obviously the, you know there was another season again until the spring mm-hmm. so it was, it was a good 18 months before I was able to get back into a game again and it was a great feeling but to 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 do that but the process was was long confusing and you know i think there needs to be changes made you know i think i think not all physical therapists should be treating these higher level athletes and again not just talking about college athletes and professional athletes i'm talking about people who tend to be more advanced people who are doing crossfit people who are who are running marathons i think there's a special type of physical therapist that needs to that that should be working with these people and that's not to shit on physical therapist but traditionally we've done a very poor job of loading our clients we're always really good at saying hey if it hurts don't do it but then what if it hurts don't jump if it hurts don't run if it hurts don't throw if it hurts don't pick up your kid well what, what if I want to hold my kid again you know what what if I want what if I want to get back to playing what if I want to get back to running how do I do that what does that pathway look like and I don't think PTs traditionally, have done a good job at that return to sport. I think that's a hole in our profession. And I think for me, I think having that experience on the strength conditioning side of things, you see it from the other side of it because it's kind of like you're standing like for PTs, traditionally, it's you stand on a cliff basically and you're like looking out and you're like, there's something over there. I just don't know what it is. And then strength coaches on the other side are standing on the other end. They're like, there's something over there. I don't know what it is. And that's where we come in—is bridging that gap. We're that foundation that bridges the gap between that rehab side of things and, 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 you know, get people over to the other side because ultimately, know. the other side—it's where all the cool shit happens, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And, it's like and a con- so,
1: it's a continuum.
0: Exactly. It's a it's a continuum that I think you know, athletes and. Yeah, you know, and, and hey, I use the word athlete for everybody. Cause If you have a body, you're an athlete, and exactly. we need to be able to access and and ultimately, I think that's how you move the needle forward with healthcare for people in this country. Yeah,
1: yeah, agreed, agreed. It's funny because um, I mean, I mean, everything that you're saying, like after, so we'll fast forward to you know PT school, get into PT school, right? Um, Somehow, I was unlucky enough to gra- well, lucky enough, but unlucky enough to graduate in 2020, where surprise, there's a pandemic. Um, so, trying to figure out all of that type of those pieces, trying to get a job, trying to find, um, you know, what am I going to do now that the hard, the hardest part is over, um, and literally everything that you are saying is the mindset that I had coming out of school where it's like, I'm sitting in class and I'm doing my clinical rotations and I'm, you know, I'm taking care of patients, et cetera. Um, I think the one thing that really, really helped me was I did a clinical rotation at a, um, sports rehab spot called uh, the training room down in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um, and if you see their facility, top notch, turf field, inside the whole nine. So, that's what really took me from that. Hey, go over there and do clamshells. To let's load this up a bit and get you back out onto the field type of uh, type of thought process. Um, and then graduating um, once I got licensed, since we have direct access in Jersey, I said I can. There's not many places hiring right now, right? Um, let me try to start my own thing and do exactly this get to the, the my friends that i know are athletes who i know for a fact have injuries um who have similar stories to mine um just really started within the community right um seeing my own patients um doing the whole mine before i got a full-time gig um but then that's what essentially brought me to big league right my, um my girlfriend uh she's an attorney she got an offer down in dc right um type of offer where you gotta uh you definitely gotta pay attention to it um so i probably we i grew up learning oh make sure you have a good resume make sure uh, you're on linkedin make sure you're doing all these different things but i found big league on instagram you know welcome to the 21st century
0: all Right. <laughs> um yeah, I, I mean, just realized probably, that you just brought the, the the first question full circle right there. Yeah, I just realized I like that we that, never right? actually closed the circle there. So thank you for <laughs> for, for bringing it all the way around there, 40, there, it is. there 45 it is. minutes later. Yep.
1: Um, that's what happens when you're having fun. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so I've been following big league a little bit. Um, again, because I had my own thing, um, prolific value down in South Jersey, where um, I'm following big league and I saw one day you guys put on a story like, hey, you know, we're looking for somebody. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm somebody, all right? Sent a DM, you got, I think you got back to me like within, within a couple hours. And I'm like, all right, this is great. Let me, all right, we set it up, came down and literally like big league is probably what I would have wanted prolific to be five, 10 years down the line, right? Like, because again, I had just graduated. So it was like, this is this is perfect this is perfect this is literally exactly what it is that i'm looking for as far as what the type of value that i want to be able to give people um that's just not i don't think that you can give to everybody within the traditional pt model in this country at least
0: yeah yeah, that's you know been my I you know I appreciate you saying that and I, I it's been my my goal from from day one is like I said not to provide traditional PT is is you know there's more out there and what can we provide to those people how do we provide for those people and it it comes down to you know really you know giving the people what they want which really is just to be heard and and giving them that extra attention because hey at the end of the day we're all humans. Pain is a complicated process, injuries are complicated, mm. and these things take time. Yeah. Now, yeah. now you're also involved with the APTA, or you have been involved with the APTA. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit yeah. more about that and, and your reasons behind that.
1: Absolutely. Um I, I'm I just can't sit still. I can't sit still. That's really, I think, what it comes down to. Um so through PT school, right? Um, you know, as much as we love going in class and sitting in two, three hour long lectures, um, I had to do more while I was in PT school. So I got involved in a ton of different things. Um, one of them being, I was, I helped to, uh, create the first PPTA, which is the Pennsylvania Physical Therapy Association, um, the first student group. So I kind of oversaw um, or we made it official, and I was the first chair for that. So um, just essentially um, being that conduit between the PPTA and the, all the students all across Pennsylvania, from Philly to Pittsburgh. Um, but then also from a, a larger scale, um, being involved within the APTA, for example, during our la- during CSM, which is a combined sections meeting, um, our last, you know, real big convention,
0: big national conference. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which, uh, was in Denver, Denver last year. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. Um, which crazy enough, like to think about like COVID probably got crazy around like March and CSM was what? February 28th. Like that was like <laughs> the the biggest super spreader before COVID hit. Like it's crazy yeah. to think about, um, <laughs> But I was able to, um, I was able to present some research um, that we did in school around uh, the effects of exercise in people with multiple sclerosis, um, so I was able to present that. I was also a part of a leadership panel um, during one of the sections, um, just kind of explaining some of my roles within the PPTA um, with my uh, role there. But really the the biggest thing that I tried to do within my time within the APTA was just kind of really more understand things, right? Because from a student level, I understand what the, the moans and groans are, right? We're talking tuition, we're talking just, you know, studying workload, different things like that. But as I started to get exposed to more things within the clinic, then you kind of start to see, okay, so what are therapists moaning and groaning about? Um, And for me, I have a philosophy where it's, I have to try to be a part of it to help change, right? Like I can't be on the sidelines trying to, you know, hope that something's gonna happen. Like I need to get in and understand how this thing works. And then after I have that understanding, then I can try to figure out, okay, how can we make this more efficient? Um, so it was really more so just about trying to figure out, okay, how's the APTA, like what's, what are the topics that they're talking about? If there are any, if there's a disconnect between the students and the teachers or students in the administration or, um, you know, anything like that, like, where is that breakdown happening? Um, and that was really the purpose of me trying to really get involved with the APTA to see where, you know, these issues that we're having, like, where are they coming from?
0: Right. Cause I feel like, I mean, there's, there's plenty of issues with the apta you know pretty much however you want to slice it student loan reimbursements or not reimbursements, student loans reimbursements Mm -hmm. from insurance companies diversity in the profession i mean i think there there's a whole bunch of topics and i i I think there there's there is a disconnect between the apta and the i guess our base of of physical therapists here and so uh I'm, i'm not really sure where where they go because I, I it's one of those things where like you said you get inside and you build it up and you fix it and you try to make it nice but at what point do you just say fuck it like this this isn't worth our time and effort
1: hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah listen I'd, i might be getting close i don't know i don't know i've only been i haven't been here for too too long but
0: <laughs> fair enough fair enough um all right so we are getting down to the end here i think that's probably a conversation for another day uh we probably do a whole other podcast <laughs> yeah, on that that's a whole um
1: yeah
0: right <laughs> but we're getting down to it here and uh and so i want to ask you a few more questions number one yep. uh gotta ask a question i feel like you're you're neutral party here but okay. is it pork roll or taylor ham
1: yeah, definitely a neutral party, not to uh, – and people from Jersey are going to be like, he's not from Jersey. But I, I, I don't think I've ever had either. I don't really eat pork. So
0: um, – But I, if you were I, to see it, if someone would be like, what's that breakfast meat from Jersey? What would yeah, you say? Uh, what would you say?
1: I think it's pork roll. I think
0: it's pork roll in Jersey. Pork roll there, there's your answer. That's all I want. Not whether you like it or you don't like it. It's just what do you call that the the never ending fight between North Jersey (laughs) and South Jersey? Is is it is it uh pork roll or is it Taylor Ham? And and uh so that's there's your answer. It's pork roll. There you go. Case case closed. Um what's the uh what's the last book you read?
1: um the last book that i read uh well right now i'm reading i don't even remember who the author is but the charisma myth um reading the charisma myth right now yeah interesting read Yeah. but i will if we're talking books i gotta shout out harry potter gotta shout out harry potter (laughs) that is i I didn't
0: expect that i that was the last thing i expect you to say right there yeah um I,
1: listen, here, here's the backstory with that. Um, grade school, right? We did this thing called Read Across America. And they, you got to read books and take tests. You get points for the tests, right? And you got to do that to pass your language arts class. You need a certain amount of points for the whole year. You can either read a bunch of little books and get a point each and take a bunch of tests, or I've just always been a work smarter type of person. Read one book that's huge. So I went to the library, and the first book that I saw that was big enough that gave me enough points for the year so I didn't have to do it over and over again was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And I was hooked after that.
0: So you didn't even read this? You just started with the second I book? Didn't, even
1: I didn't even know that there was a first book. I, just, I said, this is the biggest book. I looked in the back of it. It gave me 40 points, which was good for the year. I read that one book, and after I read it, I went back and read the first one and i've read every harry potter book
0: Oh. It, and you were you were how old this
1: is like third fourth grade
0: <laughs> yeah i think i i read the first harry potter book i was in fourth grade it had just come out it was like the hot book and yeah. and then it obviously grew and then for me it was like it was it's special because the first the last book came out when he like graduated from hogwarts when I was mm-hmm. graduating high school. And I was like, this is nice. so sad. He's graduating, <laughs> I'm graduating. It was a very, it, it, me and Harry had our uh, emotional moment. And I, yeah. it's funny because I thought I was like this Harry Potter, like super fan. And then yeah. I got to Scranton and I remember going to like a trivia night at this bar. And Ooh. oh shit, I mm-hmm. knew nothing. I knew uh-huh. absolutely nothing. Uh-huh. And there are some Harry Potter nerds out there.
1: Yes, okay, so here's a question for you. Which, which house would you belong to? Well, obviously
0: Gryffindor because you know, right, I'm just right. the stand-up you know guy that honorable guy that Harry is um, yeah yeah I don't
1: know I think I, I might have been a Ravenclaw guy I don't know I don't I know. think I, I don't think know think what, 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 what the qualities a of Ravenclaw.
0: Ravenclaw I don't know yeah. what qualities oh, I definitely wasn't a Hufflepuff I definitely wasn't a Hufflepuff yeah I don't like yeah. to think I maybe I'd be in Sly- Slytherin I don't know maybe I'd be like the bad guy I don't know
1: <laughs>
0: right. I don't all know right. anyway um All right, so you've moved here now a month ago. What's been your favorite DC experience so far? Ooh, favorite DC experience thus far. Ah,
1: let me think. What have I even done yet? Other than unpacking the house? um, Uh. Honestly, just taking a walk with my girlfriend, as corny as that sounds, um, just taking a little stroll with her because it was like, when I say that we moved within like, it was like a two, three week turnaround from the time that I said, I, am you. I messaged you to the time where like my start date was. Um, it's pretty quick. You know, like it was very, very quick. So it was just like, we, we took a nice little walk. Cause like there's a little park that's right by our apartment, apartment complex. Um, and just like that feeling of like, wow, like two, three weeks ago, like we were still in Jersey. And like, now we're here, like we're making it work. Like, this is like, all right, this is a thing. Like we're here and like, it's all right, this is solid. Like now the next chapter begins. So I think I'd say that.
0: I like it. I like it. Now what's, what's on your DC to-do list?
1: Ooh, I got to try all the seafood spots. Got to try all the seafood spots. That is, that is one thing that I need to do. I love seafood,
0: so. Well, we talked about the salt line I, as I talk yep. about in every episode. So, so yep. there you go. Yep. yep. That'll be go. my
1: first one. That'll be the, well, no, I got to lie. I lied on that one. She made us go to hot and juicy.
0: Oh, hot and juicy.
1: Yeah. Go to hot and juicy. Shout out to hot and juicy.
0: Hot and juicy. There you go. Love mm-hmm. it yeah all right ken that is gonna do it for episode 52 uh if people want to find you uh how can they get a hold of you
1: yeah so you can find me on instagram what is that ken k-e-n double underscore vp uh on instagram um or you'll catch me at big league all right hop on that big league instagram you'll see a bunch of my uh our posts and everything. Um, So whether with uh, either one of those, if you ever want to reach out, have any questions, um, yeah.
0: There you go. Boom. Ken, thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing this. And and, uh, hopefully we'll get you back on here again soon.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right now.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance and Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to BigLeaguePerformanceAndRehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC!